Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring CuriosityStream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at smartbundle.com. Even though I fainted yesterday, both my colleague Darius, who was with me at the time, and I agreed to further investigate the restroom. If we are correct in our theory, it is the heart of the amusement park. If there is one place to look for the truth, it's in there. Which is a weird thing to say, seeing as it is a restroom I'm talking about. Before I headed out to meet with my co-workers today, I packed some more laurel from my neighbor, who I believe I'm starting to really weird out at this point another iron nail, and a pair of silver earrings. I really have to be careful with my usage of the latter. I can't tell where I'll get more silver if I were to lose these. I most certainly don't have the financial means to just buy it. One thing I completely forgot about last time was the key the nurse had, more or less given to Darius. I had already been able to use it for the file cabinet in Dale's office so I guess I just ruled out the possibility of it fitting the restroom door as well. It appears we could have avoided quite a few difficulties if either of us had thought of this sooner. Darius and I gathered the other actors around the restroom and told them all about what we had found out. When we had done everything we needed to catch up, we focused on the issue at hand, the restroom, presumably the center of the park itself. Perhaps it was just another meaningless location amidst all the fun houses, roller coasters, and booths. But for that, it was simply a tad too conspicuous. I remember feeling a little sick once again, a notion that only intensified the closer I got to the small building. I produced the nurse's key from my pocket and held it up for my co-workers to see. I then carefully inserted it into the restroom door's keyhole. The other six watched in awe as it slid inside effortlessly. I turned it, and the door sprang open. It fit. It actually fit. Can I just say, Anne and Darius, great job on checking every door you could find, Mitchell remarked sarcastically. Anne stuck out her tongue to him and Darius sighed. Look, we tried, okay? Yeah, whatever. Mitchell's voice trailed off in my head. I blinked a couple times and rubbed my eyes, trying to ignore my rising unease. The restroom was empty, of course. We went for the men's part first, seeing as that's where I passed out last time. The first things that stood out to us were the iron nail, laurel twig, and silver bracelet I had brought in yesterday, strewn across the tiled floor. Darius was the first one to reach them, the rest of us still waiting outside. He knelt down and gathered them up in his hands, taking them back outside to show me. They weren't like that yesterday, were they? He asked, holding them out to me. The nail was showing clear signs of rust. The silver bracelet looked tarnished and way more worn than I remembered, and the bright green leaves of the bay laurel had wilted, shriveled down to sad brown shreds. No, I replied, reaching out to take them from him. I tucked them away in my backpack and set it down on the ground outside before proceeding into the small building. After all, 
It was now obvious that whatever was inside that restroom had damaged the charms. It was rejecting them. Perhaps me carrying them around with me was what had caused me to collapse yesterday. It worked. When entering the dim, gloomy-looking bathroom, I felt perfectly fine. Even though the others had been reluctant at first, they soon joined in on the search. It didn't take long for Oliver to find something out of the ordinary. Hey guys, one of the stalls is closed off, he called out. We gathered around the door in question. There was a handwritten sign reading cleaning supplies fixed to it. The sign itself was strange enough. The paper that had been used to make it looked really old, and the writing on it was faded. All of the toilet stall doors in the amusement park reach all the way down to the floor and up to the ceiling, so there is no way of seeing what's on the inside if you're standing in front of one. None of us actors ever used the visitors' restrooms, meaning that we had no idea of there being a locked room. We probably wouldn't have paid any attention to it either if it weren't for us specifically looking for it. We tried to use the key on it once again, but for some reason, it didn't fit this time. What kind of crap is this? Mitchell complained loudly. Screw Dale, seriously. That guy uses one and the same key for the mystery restroom and the file cabinet in his office, but not for this thing. Well, maybe it is just a regular supply storage, Maxine suggested. We should keep looking around. We might be missing what's actually important here. We continued to search, but we found absolutely nothing. Eventually, we had to realize that whatever was special about this restroom was lying behind that locked stall door. Does anyone know a member of the cleaning staff by any chance? Oliver asked the group. They might know something. Caroline perked up and nodded. Just a second. She muttered as she fumbled for her phone. After shortly glancing down at it, she frowned. There's no reception in here. I'll try outside. With that, she rushed out of the restroom. It's weird that there's no reception in here. I know for sure there is an employee restrooms, Mitchell stated. How so? I asked with a grin. He shrugged, avoiding my questioning stare. I get bored when I have to go for bigger business, okay? All right. No cell phone reception. The place clearly rejects otherwise protective objects and can even cause their bearer to pass out. There's obviously something sinister going on in here. Anne concluded, side glancing at me, she added. How are you feeling, by the way? I'm fine, I guess. I think it's because I left my stuff outside, I replied. Well, good. But as soon as you start getting drowsy or anything like that, tell us, okay? Anne patted me on the back, and I was just about to turn her attention back on the locked door in front of us when she let out a startled gasp. Everyone immediately turned to look at her and ask what was wrong, but all she had to do was hold up her hand. There was a large red stain on her palm. Leah, she whispered. You're bleeding. She took a step back to look at my back. Holy shit. It's all over your shirt. It was only then that I noticed a sense of wetness on my skin, as if someone had splashed me with water from behind. I craned my neck to try and see what she meant. I could spot prominent streaks of red out of the corner of my eye. I rushed to the bathroom mirror and turned so I could get a better look at myself. Anne was right. I never mentioned this before because I obviously didn't think it would be relevant. But I have a few tattoos on my back. It's mostly just aesthetic stuff, 
and symbols or phrases from franchises that I like. For example, I've got the moon stick from Sailor Moon and a couple of lavender roses on my left shoulder blade. Then on the small of my back, there's a lettering reading, no return, in a pretty bold basic font. This is the only tattoo that has more of a personal meaning to me, but that's a way too long and boring story to explain. What I saw was completely unexplainable to me. I have had all of my tattoos for a really long time, and there had never been any issues with them. But now, regarding my pale back with all of its colorful markings in the mirror, I found that their edges were bleeding. Thick drops of red had formed on the black outlines. Some had already soaked into the white fabric of my shirt. I let out a gasp and frantically tore it off, carelessly tossing it to the ground. Bending my arms, I carefully touched the lines that were still oozing blood. To my surprise, I felt nothing. There was no pain, not even a slight sting. When I pulled back my hand, my fingers were coated with dark red. I continued to stare at myself in the mirror. I didn't even notice my gaze becoming transfixed, and the concerned voices of my co-workers slowly fading into the background. I had stopped observing my back, I was just looking into my reflection's wide, disbelieving green eyes. For some reason, I got the weirdest feeling. For a split second, it was like it wasn't me I was seeing, but rather the image of a stranger, a woman unfamiliar to me. I think I looked at her for just a few seconds longer, before everything around me grew black. It was almost like last time. I was aware of the state I was in. I knew I was sleeping. I could even hear my colleagues talking somewhere in the distances. But I couldn't react to what they were saying. It was like their voices and words just flew past me. I felt weirdly entranced. I heard them call my name a couple of times. Then they suddenly started to sound really frightened. What are you doing? Was that Maxine speaking? It was definitely one of the girls, but I couldn't tell for sure. What the hell? Stop! You're hurting me! That sounded like Mitchell. Someone else added something in a similarly petrified tone, but I couldn't understand them. I'm, just, I'm trying. Oh, pull her off. Help me. I suddenly felt myself being yanked back by my hair, a sharp pain shooting through my scalp. That must have snapped me out of it. All I knew was that, all at once, everything was bright again, and I was staring up at the unsettled faces of my friends. I found myself sitting on the cold tiled floor. My co-workers were standing above me. Mitchell, who looked sort of disheveled, extended his hand to me and pulled me to my feet. I squinted. There was blood on his face. Your... your lip is busted, I mumbled. He quickly wiped off the blood with the back of his hand. Him and the others exchanged uncomfortable glances. Finally, Darius cleared his throat. Do you know what just happened? He asked sternly. I frowned and shook my head. Leia, honey, you were standing in front of that mirror for twenty seconds. Mitchell turned you around and you just... You lunged at him, Maxine explained, her voice low and hoarse. I stared at her in disbelief, then over at Mitchell. I... I can't. I, I swear I didn't know what I was doing. I, I... My voice faltered as I fumbled for words. I'm so sorry, I added breathlessly. Mitchell shook his head and cracked a forced smile. Don't be. 
I've always wanted to wrestle a topless lady, he joked. Come on, we should get you out of here. For the second time these last few days, it was Mitchell who drove me home. During the car ride, I sat in the back, blankly staring out the window. Mitchell glanced over to me in the rearview mirror from time to time, only to smile reassuringly every time our eyes met. Caroline called her friend, who's on the cleaning staff, by the way. He told me after a little while. She says they got no idea about the lock stall either. Dale never gave them a key for it or anything. I didn't reply. I wasn't sure what to say. I just nodded slightly and turned back to face the window. If you ask me, there's got to be something really insane behind that door. Mitchell went on. Like maybe it's a portal to hell or some shit and that's where he pulled out the not actors. That'd be crazy, right? I still couldn't bring myself to answer. I could barely look him in the eyes for that matter. Mitchell sighed. You don't have to feel bad because of my lip or anything. Hey, maybe it'll become a scar. That'd look pretty cool, right? Like, tough. I swallowed audibly. Did I hurt you? I asked. Don't lie to me, please. Okay, well... It wasn't pleasant, that's for sure. And it was kind of creepy, to be honest. I could barely get you off of me. You were too strong. It was Oliver who pulled you away. If he hadn't, well, I don't know. But don't mess yourself up about it. Let's stay positive, okay? I sighed. Mitchell, I think something's happening to me. I'm not sure what or if it's just my imagination or if I should be worried at all, but I feel like this won't end well. Mitchell parked his car in front of my apartment building, reached for my blood-stained shirt which was lying on the passenger seat and handed it to me. Even so, that's just all the more reason to keep investigating, right? We'll figure this out somehow. I requested for him to come inside with me to keep me company for a little while. He thankfully complied and we spent some time watching TV together. I was glad he wasn't upset with me, but I was even more relieved that I didn't have to be alone after what had happened. I felt like crap. On top of that, I had forgotten my backpack in the park. I figured I would just have to get it back tomorrow. Eventually, Mitchell had to leave, and once again he assured me that everything was going to be alright, and to call him if I needed anything. Only ten minutes after he had left, my phone rang. When I picked up, I was more than surprised to hear Dale's voice on the other end. Hey, he said. Nothing else, just hey. Hi? An awkward pause followed before I spoke up again. Why are you calling? I was wondering if you could come over tomorrow. To your office? No, he replied, fumbling for words before adding. To, uh, to my place. I'll give you my address. We can drink, or maybe we shouldn't, after what happened last time. Actually, I just want to talk. He sounded sheepish and uncertain. I wasn't sure what exactly came over me that caused me to say yes, but well, I did. Good. He sounded relieved. Awesome. I'll see you tomorrow at, uh, how about eight? In the evening, of course. Uh, yeah, eight's good. I'll be there. Without losing another word, he hung up. I'm really not sure what to make of all this. I feel like things around here are getting weirder and weirder by the day. I guess I'll see how it goes.